Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Welcome, everybody, to Paradox. I am Jimmy. And I'm Josh. Okay. Okay. I mean, sometimes we have guests, and they're, 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 eh, they're nice. They're, they're okay. They're okay. Nothing to write home about. Well, pick up a pen. Because you're going to want to write home about this. <laughs> Today we are talking with Sandy Patty. She is an author and she is a legendary figure in Christian music. And I hope it's, is it okay to say you're a legend? <laughs> you know, what it really means is I'm old. That's just kind of what it means. <laughs> I'm thinking you may be the youngest legend ever. Well, you know what? It all communicates the same way. And I would rather be now than 30 years ago. Just, you know, <laughs> Isn't so that the I'm truth? fine with it. Not only are you those things, you were my children. And by the way, we are a father-son. Josh is my son, and we're the, the co-owners of the Timothy Center here in Austin, which is a love um, marriage and family counseling center. But my kids growing up, you were their favorite meal of the week. What? Oh. They loved salmon patties, but, <laughs> but anytime we ask them, they would go, we want sandy patties. She's never heard that before. Surely that's the first time. I absolutely that. love that. So my kids came home from school one day when they, this was a while ago, and said, Mom, we heard the best joke ever. What do you call a hamburger on the beach? A Sandy Patty. hey <laughs> But a boom. But a bump. We'll be here all week. Well, listen, we are excited that you are with us, and we want to talk to you about your latest book that'll be uh, coming out in October, entitled The Voice. Tell us a little bit about what is behind your new book. Well, you know, um, I was actually a very shy kid and um, words were hard for me. I was um, really uncomfortable, you know, whenever the teacher would call on someone to read out loud or, you know, to answer, I just would freeze, but I would hear a song and I would think that is how I feel. So I would learn a song so I could hopefully feel those feelings. I, one of the, the first songs I remember was from Sound of Music, the song that Maria sings, I've Got Confidence. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, thinking, I've got confidence in sunshine, thinking, you know, if I can sing it, I can be it. Yeah. And so music has always been, in a way, my voice when I couldn't find the words. And so it's always been ironic to me that the the record company many years ago would um, de decided I needed a brand. And so they started calling me the voice. And because I didn't know how to speak up about that, I just sort of had this private little giggle of if you only knew, you know, I just don't feel like I have a voice. And hopefully you have sued NBC for stealing. You know, name. that's so funny because a lot TV of people show. will think that, um, you know, NBC did that first, but it was really Word Records that came up with that first. Word Records. Yeah. Waco, Texas, wasn't it? They were originally Waco, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then they moved to Nashville. But yeah, they 
they uh, started and spent many years in Waco, Texas. Yeah. So what are some things in someone's life that might have to happen in, in order to really discover your voice? Yeah, well, that is the lifelong question, isn't it? And I think that, you know, my generation of women, just I'm a context person. So I think my generation of women, I just turned 62 this year and my generation of women, we didn't, we weren't really encouraged to express our thoughts and express our feelings, except all of the good ones. So there was never really, we never really had a template for how to um, first own that some uncomfortable feelings like fear and and conflict and disagreement. And those aren't all feelings, but you get the point of what I'm saying. Um and so there's that context. So we never really learned how to do that. And then, you know, and I talk about it really frankly in um, in the book, The Voice, I was sexually abused by a female family friend when I was six years old. And sexual abuse just kind of rips the innocent and the sacred out of a child. And you begin to view life through the words you heard. It's your fault. If you tell, no one's going to believe you and we'll, we know where to find you. So um, I, for a lot of years, spent walking through and that was my only lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was 30, I began Bible study fellowship. <laughs> and there's something so powerful about when you begin to place the word of God in your heart and in your spirit. There's no longer room for the other stuff. And so they have to come burping up somehow. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, that was sort of the beginning of, of weighing the, tr- the, what I thought was truth to God's word of truth. And I began to see that I was, had, you know, bought into a lie all along. Mm-hmm. And I was beginning to now put God's truth in there as my anchor. And I love that you have a counseling center for families. And, you know, in a lot of times in churches, that's just such a bad word counseling. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But listen to me, it is the brave and the strong and the courageous who go to counseling. It is not the weak who go. Sometimes we think, Oh, I should be able to do this by myself. But it is the strong and courageous who step into counseling and say, I want to get better. I know that there was a time, because you and I are roughly the same age, that in the church, especially with church leaders, someone who is on stage and under the lights, to come out and just admit openly that you were sexually abused as a child. There would have been a time when I would think that would be almost unheard of for you to share. What was it like when you sort of first were able to share that, uh, that that was something that happened to you and helped shape you? Well, you know, I, I, that happened to me when I was six. I didn't even share it with my parents till I began counseling. Mm. And that was in my mid thirties. And I think a real big piece of the freedom and the anchor to move ahead and share my story was the response from my parents. And that was, we are 
we are devastated for you. We are so sorry for you. We had no idea. And we believe you. That is important. It's so important. And um, I think because I was able to have that support from them, that the more counseling I did, I began to understand so much more of why I was the way I was, why I had no boundaries in my life, why I could step into a relationship with another man while I was married. I don't say any of that as excuse for anything. Sin is sin, bottom line. But we have to understand our past to put it in its proper place so we can move forward and not do that again. And so I think that's where counseling has just been huge in my life and in our family's life. So whether it was a therapist, whether it was your Bible study group, whether it was your parents, what I hear you saying is you began in your 30s a community that surrounded you that said, we believe you. Yes. So those, those, those relationships were key. The relationships were very, very key. And I, before I even got into Bible study fellowship, I began to be home enough and off the road where I was able to develop some relationships with some girlfriends. And I was able to listen very carefully to some of the things that they would share and some of the things that they risked, you know, just talking about as girlfriends do. And I began to say, you know what, maybe they will understand this. Mm -hmm. And so community and relationships Mm -hmm. is just so important because I think one of the big things that keeps people from speaking the truth out loud is this feeling like I'm alone. Nobody's going to understand. If people only knew. And all of a sudden you're like, me too, me too, me too. Mm -hmm. So that's such, it's so empowering when you realize you're not in this journey by yourself. And again, I think there was a, there was a time where there was a lot of inauthenticity, you know, in the church. I mean, just all preachers, had, their hair was slicked back and they had three-piece suits on and, you know, no one was real. And explain to me, what is, what is it like now to just, to have this transparency, this authenticity, you know, that say, hey guys, there, there is nobody that's perfect. You're without sin, cast the first stone. We're all broken, but being broken just means we're a much more usable instrument in God's hands. Um, yes. You know, for people who who know that, we we see each other, right? You know what I mean? Like someone who's walked a broken path towards healing recognizes that brokenness in someone else that you might not have noticed before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're able to reach out in a way that you've never been able to reach out before. I love that part of community. And I do love what's happening in the church. Um, There is an awareness now that, you know, life happens, whether you're inside or outside the church, life happens. Sometimes life happens to you. Sometimes you contribute (laughs) to the brokenness yourself. Mm -hmm. And I love that there are programs like Celebrate Recovery that happen Mm -hmm. within the walls of a church Mm -hmm. that say, this is a sanctuary for those who are weary on our journey. 
I met with a group of uh, I met with a group of pastors this week here in Austin just to talk to them about sexual addiction and, and especially pornography addiction on staff. Not we're not talking people in their church. We're talking about the fellow pastors on staff with them at their churches and how as as leaders especially they can't be truthful. They they can't be honest or they lose their jobs. I mean, and you know this. I mean, in, in, for so long in the Christian community, it was a one strike and you're out kind of policy. And it's just so refreshing for us to take a deep breath and to see that the church is, is slowly changing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it, it has to start with leadership. We are so um, thankful in our own church body here that our uh, pastor um, leads with, hey, I am not perfect. I need accountability. Mm -hmm. He doesn't bleed in front of everybody, but he talks very clearly about before he became a pastor, he went through Celebrate Recovery. That's mm -hmm. powerful to hear. Oh, isn't it though? That is, so I don't need the details. I just need mm -hmm. to know someone knows what it's like to be yeah. in the muck. Yes. And you're not, and I'm not walking there by myself. A few minutes ago, you mentioned that broken people can recognize brokenness. I think that has parental impl implications in that so many parents try to be strong and not appear like they struggle. And then I see the kids in my office and they think their kids or their parents are perfect. And no way am I going to share my struggle with my parents. Um, talk talk about kind of the humility that it might take as a parent to be able to appropriately so, but kind of share struggles even with kids. Well, you know, I, again, I, I'll start with context that I grew up in a generation of my parents um, had just come out of World War II, mm -hmm. and they were thankful for everything and should have been. But I think what got communicated to my generation is there was nothing bad that mm. could happen. It was all good. Mm. I never saw my parents argue. I never mm. saw them have a disagreement. I never saw them have a conflict and therefore never saw them go through conflict resolution. So my assumption that I made was people who are brought together in marriage never have conflict. Exactly. Can you even imagine... <laughs> <laughs> so as I began to go through my divorce, my mom began to share with me some really difficult times they had had in their marriage. And while I understand why they tried to shield us from some of the conflict resolution, I remember at that time thinking this would have been really helpful for me to know. Don't you know? Yeah. And so with our kids, I mean, you know, uh, and you use the word appropriately so, you know, sometimes if we get a little snarky with each other, um, we don't always shield our kids from that sure. um, because we want them to see that it's a, just about showing up sometimes every day. Mm -hmm. um, it's just about showing up and the feelings are going to come and go um, but it is about that commitment and hopefully really liking that person, mm -hmm. even though they can just, you know, the person that I love the most is also the person that gets under my skin the most. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But there's just so much freedom in being able to say that. And that's it. It's not some mm -hmm. comment on 
And therefore my marriage is headed this way. It's just, Mm -hmm. this is today. Um, And I think we've seen in our kids, one of the things we do talk about stuff. I mean, we really talk about stuff. Mm -hmm. And sometimes Don and I will think, oh Lord, we wish we'd never given them permission to say anything they want to say to us. (laughs) But we are really thankful that they do. And yeah. we've, we've heard some really crazy <laughs> stuff, but I'm thankful that they can tell us. Well, yeah, because what's the alternative? They don't. Exactly. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. Gary Thomas with sacred, the sacred marriage is just one of my favorites forever. And, you know, he, you know, he says, it's not that you have a difficult marriage. It's just that marriage is difficult for everybody. Real quickly, before before we let you go, you know, we've we've really focused on, you know, authenticity today and transparency. With your book, The Voice, how did your ability to become transparent and authentic, how did that help you in your discovery of your voice? You know, I believe this. I believe John 8, 31 and 32. And Jesus says, if you continue in my word, which is which is sort of a really important piece of his next statement. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I really believe that that is sometimes truth about our own story that is hard to bear. But there is something very empowering when we risk enough to speak the truth out loud, even when it's ugly and even when it's tainted and even when it's broken, there is something very powerful about speaking it out loud and giving it to God. It no longer holds the authority over you. And, you know, that is, that's not a one-time deal. I mean, that is a journey. And I think that our journey is a compass, not a stopwatch. And um, it's about, just continuing to make the next right decision. Um, But there is something powerful. And if you don't know where to start, journaling is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. And then you begin to listen to the people around you very carefully. Not the people who say they've got it all together, but the people who are willing to say, you know what, this was, there was a season in our family's life or there was this or that. Those are the people who probably are going to be safe for you. Because telling your story to the wrong person can be just as abusing as the abuse in the first place. And then of course, to get connected in with a good Christian counseling system that offers community of people who know is just, that's the best. Sandy, I'm assuming you get this quite often, but you need to know I listen to you every Easter. Around the clock that day we play, was it a morning like this? It's a fantastic song, means a ton to our family. And uh, Sandy, we thank you so much for being on today. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me on the show. I, I just want to just speak over you and thank you for what you are doing for families Thank you for giving a safe space for people who 
um, need to process some stuff. You've, you've made a place where that's okay. And I, and I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, appreciate the time. Loved hanging out with you Thank guys. Thank you so much, Sandy. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. I mean, she's the sweetest. I mean, what do you even do? I don't know. What, we, I don't, what do you... we go way back with Sandy. Oh. First off, I thought when you brought up the song, Was It a Morning Like This, you were going to say, but my father actually does it better than you do, Sandy. <laughs> As long as I have the uh, the accompaniment cassette uh-huh, uh-huh. with her singing the background vocals, mm, mm, yeah, I'm talking out of the park and just just tears every time I would hear myself sing it. I want to surrender to foreign missions. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I never would. Not short term. No, no, that's no. abusive. Only long. That's toxic. <laughs> Only long term. But how great we kind of got on to the whole authenticity thing, but. I think it's just a it's a landmark shift in how we're doing things. Instead of all Christians, especially leadership, getting up and playing like they're perfect, you know, we have people as as big as Sandy Patty coming out and saying, "Well, no, yeah, I'm broken too," and you know, and 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 my life has really been damaged at times as well. I hit on it in the interview, but I thought her her piece about broken people are able to recognize brokenness. Yeah, if you as a parent are trying to kind of stay high and mighty and strong for your kids, you are going to be unable to intuitively see the brokenness in your kids. Mm-hmm. And so the importance of, again, a, appropriately so, you're not, she mentioned the pastor not bleeding out in front mm-hmm. of everybody. You know, you, it's not everything, but sharing a struggle here and there, being able to show that mommy and daddy do fight sometimes, hopefully respectfully, but that they we do argue and we do disagree, that dad did have a bad day at work and that dad potentially maybe like, was fired. You know, those types of things are really important because our kids have to see us struggle. Mm-hmm. They have to see the brokenness in us to then be able to come and approach us with their own brokenness. Absolutely. If you want more information about this episode or any previous episode, it's paradoxpodcast.com. You can also find us on our socials there. Stay tuned for more episodes next week, and we appreciate you guys for listening. Review and share. Appreciate it. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. If they've got a Beto sign in their front yard, then, oh, well, everyone look away because those are communists. They will burn your grandparents if given the opportunity. Is that Fox News or you? And if there's a cruise sign, you know, oh my gosh, they're the, sure, the racist, sure. homophobe, misogynist, xenophobes. And it's and so I've I don't know. I've never seen this level of divisiveness.